Hello, everyone. We are live. Happy Wednesday. My gosh, it's Wednesday, August 11th. And uh, we are here with yet another episode of the Event Hustler Show. We have taken a little bit of a break for about, I think it's been two or three weeks, but it feels like it didn't happen at all. This summer has been flying by. Uh, so very excited to be back with you all. And today I get to chat with Dana frecker Duty from Juno. And Dana has really made a huge contribution to the events industry throughout your career. And I thought it would just be a fun time to like catch up, talk about the things that you're working on, talk about your perspective on the industry. So first, I want to say hello. Thank you for joining today. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me. How are it you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I think that's an important question that we need to yeah. not just be asking, but really listening for the answers, right? I've seen um, some things on social media across our space about, you know, how are you doing? Can we be a little more patient with each other? <laughs> and um, what, one of the answers that I gave when someone posed that question over on Facebook was, I started wondering how much straw was on the camel's back before the last straw <laughs> that broke the camel's <laughs> back, right? So Sundays I'm like, huh, is this, am I getting close to the full load or am I not there yet? You're like surprised. You're like, I can't believe there could be this big of a load. <laughs> right? Sometimes, right? Like I'm so resilient, <laughs> um, which is great. But I also think during this time, um, I've gotten really good, Liz, about giving myself a lot of grace and forgiveness. So, yeah. 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 Just like breathing. So if any of you out there are not okay. It is okay to not be okay. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's see here. I see Mary is here already joining us. She says, hello, ladies. Very excited to tune in. So glad you're here. I do see we have other live watchers. So if you guys have anything to share with Mary, uh, with Dana, any questions for her, um, or you want to say hi to Mary, that's good too. <laughs> so feel free to put them in the comment section of wherever you're watching. We'll try to work those in. Um, but I'm so glad that our conversation started here with just like the real talk about how are you doing? Because yeah. I think the industry has just been through so much. And I think whenever uh, people felt like maybe we're coming around, like this is getting to a good place, then all of a sudden, you know, it's getting a little bit crazier again with Delta. I was just talking to Dahlia Elgazar this morning. And she was saying like, everything's canceling all of a sudden. Yeah. So, and not just with her, but in the industry. Um, so, yeah, I, I saw some, anything? you know, I saw some non-industry friends because it was last weekend and they were asking about my business. You know, I've, I've switched companies since then, but they were remembering they had been with me the weekend early in March when events started canceling because <laughs> I had shown up at the tailgate with bottles of champagne and cupcakes <laughs> just yeah. to try and like <laughs> bury all of those scary feelings, right? And so I really see that rearing its head again. And people in our space, Liz, they want to be okay. And they want to be able to bring people together so badly that I can see where this whiplash would be even worse than the first time around. So yeah. one, I feel very fortunate to not be in the same position that I was in, in before in working for all these things. But I also see um, just the level of uncertainty I don't know what the universe is trying to teach event professionals, but it is certainly that something related to uncertainty being the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, we're so like 
we want to control everything. And that just, it, it just gotta be letting go of more and more things, which is so scary. It is. And, you know, we've had, I've been doing these kind of conversations for 10 plus years and never before have they started with these kind of conversations where you're like, we're just learning to take a deep breath and care for myself. And, and in some ways that's, I think one of the good things our industry is learning. We have been known for top five most stressful jobs in the world. And, no. we, you know, we wrangle things that shouldn't have to be wrangled. And we think of things that you haven't thought about. And right. it's a very high stress environment. And it's all about control. It's about, you know, we take all these things that are out of control and put them in control. And uh, I mean, I can say for myself, I'm such a control freak in every aspect of my life, which is why event planning is a good career for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing like the last year and a half to shake that up, right? It is. Uh, it, it's it's very jarring to look at. And when you start looking then even at the economic impact that it has on so many people that you know, and those concentric circles just keep getting wider and the, you know, the devastation starts moving inward. It's, it's a scary place to be. But we do know some things that are working. And like you said, if this is a time for people to really take stock and be taking care of themselves and keep looking for those silver linings, I mean, that's a, that's a balance that every person has to take. I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna about like, oh, don't worry about where the rent money is coming right, from right. Uh, because rent money is a real thing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I see Kiki is saying hello to both of us. She said this week has been a tough one, feeling very stressed again, which I know so many in the industry are. She said she gave a keynote in NC a few weeks back and they were telling me it would be the last hybrid event they did because they mm -hmm. only wanted to do in person. And I was hearing that across the industry. Yeah. Um, we're going yeah. back to in person. And I think it was just a few podcast episodes ago that someone used the example of an elastic band. And it's like, we've done only virtual and then it's kind of snapping back and people only want to do in person, but mm -hmm. really when that finally loosens out. And I think Delta is showcasing the fact that there will have to be some middle ground here. We're not going to go back to only in person. Right. Of course, in person is not going away. But I think anyone who was very excited to jump back wholly into in person yeah. is suddenly starting to think that might not be so realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, and that whole term that you, you, you just shared, go back. Right. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. at Juno, we hear clients like, oh, no, we want to go back. Oh, no, our board's mandating. We have to go back. Oh, no, we got to go back. I'm like, there's no going back. Yes. I think maybe that's what the second wave is teaching us is like, there's just no going back. Even if you go back to in person, it has to be different. Absolutely. Everyone's expectations have changed so much. And there's just too much that's different now in all of society to just do things the way we were doing. Them. Right. Right. And you know, that word pivot became such a like dirty word, but it, it's a continual thing, you know, that, that life is handing us that we just need to continue to pivot. And there maybe was a lot of opportunity to be reinventing and reimagining that wasn't going on that now needs to go on. And, yeah. you know, when you ask how I am, when I'm in motion, I'm great. And I think that's really what I see for events in the rest of 2021 and into 2022. When they're in motion, when they're making some changes, when they're looking strategically, when they're laying everything on the table and really digging into the value that they're bringing, they're in motion, they're great. When they're holding and saying, oh, no, we got to wait till we can go back 
in person again only because we don't want to do hybrid that's that's when it gets a little a little bit scary yeah exactly why do we want to go back Can right event and find better ways to do what we were doing before is such a good point um and, and just mentioned- because one thing didn't work liz doesn't mean another thing won't work right so Absolutely. like when i hear about the the connection that Kiki brought up where she was presenting is that group is so like, we are never doing this again. Like, well, don't do that. Even, even when you're in virtual, don't go back, don't go back and do the same virtual, right? right? Keep iterating on that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much room for growth at this point. And I think that that's a huge opportunity, but it's very scary for people. It's just very different. And, you know, I think, we, I, I talked to a planner a few weeks ago who's back to doing all in-person. All of her clients want to do in-person. They don't want to do any virtual. And and yet we, all of our clients, we don't have a single client who wants to do in-person. They only want to do virtual. And that just really shows you, I think, the way that people are thinking and who you're hanging out with and the skill set of the person that you're working with and what they lead you to want to do. There's just so many factors, but there's so much that can be done on both ends of the extreme. Yeah to be more meaningful and to create better events. And that's really the space we have to push ourselves towards. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned that a year and a half ago when COVID started, you were in a different place. And I did say this would be kind of a career catch up. So do you want to catch us up just on what's been going on in your career over the last year and a half and some of the exciting stuff that you're working on now? Yeah. You know what? I hit six months at Juno today. I was looking at my calendar. (laughs) I started February 10th or 11th. So six months um, in this event technology world. Um, Juno is we connect and educate people in a virtual environment. And we can do that year round, not just at events, which I know we want to get into too, Liz. So career wise for me, I, I didn't, I've always been a big believer in how technology can support and advance events. Right. Even I mean, I think that's how you and I met, Liz, way way back when. And I was producing hybrid events for some of the clients at my former company. And so I always believed in that. And the technology has to be viewed as an advantage. I mean, we view it as an advantage in so many other areas of our life. And it is used for good, even in places where it can be used for evil. It's also being used for good. Right. So it was a good fit for me to jump in um, with an entrepreneur whose message I believe in. And that community software base that Juno had, Liz, is really a draw for me because I have spent many years, even before I was at the Expo Group, this is like a random story, but I worked as a copy editor for community newspapers. Okay. So if the basketball scores for the YMCA league did not get into the Louisville leader or the, you know, mother's day tea and mother's day out schedule didn't get in. Like the community was upset. Like they relied on that newspaper as a source for what was going on in the community. And it really just struck me even then of how the newspaper one as a media company was a big part of the community mm. and two, how sharing those types of things what had such an impact on so many people's lives in that physical community. Yeah. So that whole thing carried through in my career in events. I mean, what is an event if not bringing a community together and, and helping those people to gather. And so now I'm really able to help people do that on a virtual platform, which is really 
another venue, you know, somebody just put out Liz, it was like the top destinations. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear this, but, but pretty soon, <laughs> like your, your venues are going to be, you know, all of these virtual event companies, you know, your destination could be simply online. So, and that is the case for so many people, but they don't necessarily see it that way. You know, they see virtual as kind of like a band-aid to get us through until they can, as we said earlier, go back to whatever they were doing before. Right. But I think it's more and more that people will start to see them as the home of everything that's happening at your event, which is the venue, you know, and, and we have had some clients talking about the virtual platform as the venue and what do you want? You, just the kind of the same questions you would ask about your yes. in-person venue. What do you want that to deliver for your attendees and not just using a platform because it's the same platform that right. your friends used or someone else, a competitor. Right. Right. Do you so take your show to, you know, Grand Rapids just because, <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody, some other association took their show to Grand Rapids, shout out to Grand Rapids. Cause apparently they stuck that's branding works. People. I was on an yes. event this morning <laughs> that Grand Rapids had sponsored. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Liz, because you would never, if you really take this analogy, like really far, you would never put your event in a hotel or a convention center where there were just walls straight up and people walked out of their hotel room and they couldn't see anything until all of a sudden they, they blasted into this room. Yes. Right. Or even they had walls all the way and they didn't even blast into the room. They just knew they could kind of hear that there were other people there, but they couldn't talk to them. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's not, you would never put your event or trade show in that facility. Yeah. So when you think about these virtual venues, the opportunity for people to connect and talk to each other and move across the space is vast with some of the technologies. And those are the questions that people need to be asking. And yet, you know, when you look at venues, you're looking for, you know, the look and feel and the technical functionality and all these things. Um, and you're looking for the differentiating factors between each of them. When you look at virtual platforms, at least what I'm seeing a lot of planners doing, you're not, it's, first of all, they're not necessarily looking for those differences. They're again, going with whatever they've heard yeah. is really good because it's easy to find. And I find that on the company side, the companies aren't really that good at differentiating themselves. If you look at those charts that are like, here's all the virtual platforms and all the functionality, and it's just lots of X's. It's like, yep, we do it all. Right, right, <laughs> what right, are the right. Differences? You know, Juno has really to me stood out as you guys have really talked about community and this idea of year round community a lot more than what I'm seeing other venues, virtual venues do. And even in the idea that, you know, a lot of other companies are doing the year round thing. And I am seeing some of these virtual platforms shifting to annual licenses and things like that. But the way that you guys are talking about the importance of community building community and giving content year round, I think is just really different and very smart. Um, and I'm sure you have played a role in all of that because I think that's really important for planners to understand if this is what I'm trying to do, this is a good platform that could fit those needs. Yeah. And it, um, thank you. Um, <laughs> it is, I, I'm probably guilty as charged in checking all those boxes because we, well, we do everything, but also people define all those things different, right? So you have to exactly. say you can do something yeah. because someone, right? 
someone yeah. may think along those lines, someone may think along these lines. But when it comes to community, one, like I shared before, Juno came out of a company called CrowdHub that was creating community software long before the pandemic. I mean, they were in business for 10 years. And I, I think that um, you talked to Josh about community too. I mean, he's an expert in human connection. Yeah. And yes, with my understanding of how people come together and the way we were trying to create small niche communities within the trade shows and events for clientele, when I was uh, working for a general services contractor, that is one, not only one of my favorite words, but one of my favorite things. It's very, it's, it's very important to me. And even for physical communities or for a community like this, for people to feel connected, not just your network, but to actually have a community where you can go into a Facebook group group and say, I'm not doing so hot right now, right? Or yeah. you can come into an event hustlers podcast like this and be like, whoa, like, okay, th those people in my community are saying kind of the same things and feeling the same things that I am and for you to feel that connection. It's um, it's it's interesting, and I'm really excited to kind of delve into what the future holds in our virtual venues. Thank you, Mary, for mm -hmm. communities moving forward because community is such such an odd thing because associations and event planners have to going back to the beginning of our conversation give up a little control. Yeah, <laughs> right. But really, have to recognize that their value is not in what they provide as an entity, the value is in their ability to create connections for their members. And that's a really hard shift for people because you've gone from we, we charge what we charge for our events because we give you X, Y, and Z yeah. and it's the keynote speakers and it's the content and it's the number of sessions and the number of speakers and all these things that you're basically pushing out and hoping attracts people. Mm -hmm. And what I think has ha happened for a long, long time is that what's actually attracting people is not all that stuff you're pushing out, mm -hmm. but the other people who are there. I mean, right. that's why just even the last few years you see like on Eventbrite or something, it'll say, Dana's also going to this event. And I'm 10 right. times likely to be like, well, then I I'll go, you know, right. Here's the right. um, it's like IMAX America. I've gone, I mean, obviously not in the past few years, but you know, I go every year. I don't necessarily do much know, but everybody else is there liz we have to be there i know right. <laughs> um but that's uncomfortable for people to take themselves out of the driver's seat and out of the focus it's not really about coming to engage with my organization yeah. because we're so amazing right people don't really care about that yeah and the year-round thing kind of freaks people out too because and it's because of that because they feel the onus is on them to be producing and creating the content that's when we talk to groups and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, no, you can because you don't actually have to do it. Right, exactly. Right? You are enabling others to make those connections year round. You're enabling others to produce some content. Um, I, I will share, this is like breaking news, Liz, that Ooh. we are spinning up a community just on Juno, right? Because I started looking at you know, we have a site that exists so we can give sales demos. We had a site that existed where we were doing webinars like really early on in the company. And I was like, no, like people just, just let people in, right? Just let people yeah, in yeah. and they can interact with each other and we'll see what happens. Um, so it could be like the world's like worst disaster <laughs> 
or it could be like a really mm -hmm. valuable place where people can just come and and see what's shaking and you know we are putting content in there juno is but we're also putting inviting people in there to connect with each other and the way this software is able to create um, cohorts and learning groups. You know, we're gonna start diving into that and helping people to understand how those things actually work throughout the year. Yeah, it's so smart because I think people have to experience it. It's like you said, very overwhelming to think about, oh my gosh, I, I'm, it's not a once a year event, it's every single day yeah. for 365 right. days. And, and what does that look like? And how does it feel? Is it fun? How does it become fun? How do you, you know, I, I see a lot of people focusing on like, well, how do we make it fun? <laughs> Someplace that right. people want to hang out, you know, all these yeah. virtual communities are not Facebook. They're not a place that people have as the first app on their screen that they're clicking on 900,000 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. You have to attract people to these communities. I mean, there is some work involved in that. Yes. Um, and it's not until you're in really good ones that you start to see this is what brings me back and this is the value that it provides. You kind of have to experience it from the user perspective, I think. Yeah, and it's... Um... I think you're right. The ones where you, like you see it happening really good is it's it's better than the LinkedIn because it's targeted. It's better than Facebook because it's like so professional in, yeah. in there, right? So, and you know, there are a lot of organizations who are concerned about everything that's going on with some of those social media companies. So being able to have, it's still a private community, right? right. Um, you know, you can still have the requirements and the rules um, you know, one of the rules and the one that I'm launching is there's no lifeguard on duty, right? Like you call 911 if there's, if there's a problem basically. Um, but it really helps for organizations, Liz, to level out the peaks and valleys, right? So associations in particular, and, you know, even media companies, like there's this big peak with the annual event, and then yeah. it's just a valley in terms of content, in terms of member engagement, in terms of finances, right? Yeah. I mean, with annual subscriptions and annual annualized content creation, you're leveling out all of those valleys, right? The workload, the resources, and, and the monetization of it. So we really see the virtual communities as a way to level out those peaks and valleys. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And obviously community is one way to do that. One of the questions that I had for you was just around, I know you have a ton of trade show experience and work with a ton of associations. And one of my questions for you is, what do you think associations and trade shows need to be doing to be successful as we move forward? Like whether it, it goes back to in-person, it's hybrid, whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to building community, what are some of the other things that they need to start thinking about so that they can pivot? Right, <laughs> right. Because it's a crazy, um, it's a crazy world for them right now. It is. A lot of their, you know, revenue is based on this one huge event mm -hmm. and bringing people together physically in this physical location. And that is threatened not just for 2020 and 2021, but potentially future years as well. Just wondering whether people are going to be comfortable going to, you know, 50,000 person events and yeah. roaming a trade show floor with who knows. Right, who. right. And we don't know. Right. That's the, you know, that's, that's the thing. Uh, yeah. And if we go with community as, as one of the things that, that I think those large trade show entities need to be looking at the other two C's I would add Liz are clarity 
and collaboration. So the more clarity that organizers can bring to what the purpose of their actual event and trade show is, right? If you're like, just get really clear within your own organization, if this trade show was invented so that you could pay for all these education programs or if you could pay for other program that goes on or whatever, like be very clear with that internally and then get very clear about whether that is part of your future strategic plan Right. And then we start plan then we start getting into some design thinking of okay, what's the strategy here? What is the purpose of this thing? Okay, let's design something that meets that and it can even exceed expectations, but certainly meets the objectives of the parties and the stakeholders involved. And that's where collaboration comes in, right? Like you have to know your customers. Absolutely. I think that you have to know all all the all the stakeholders, the attendees, the exhibitors, the the industry press, anyone who's sponsored, your internal groups, you know, people who hold power within your space and within your organization. And the more you can collaborate and talk to them about what they are looking for, you know, people trade shows were afraid when the internet was invented. Right. Yeah. And the internet was invented, you know, a couple dozen years ago. So um, I, I think that the digital marketing aspect is enhanced with face-to-face -face interaction. Um, but like you said, if the, the trade show is not clear about what it is and not clear about whether that is in fact a business model that's going to work, we just, we had some, we had two in the last month. I got to brag on the team because we had two hosted buyer events on the Juno platform. Mm -hmm. And that involved some customization of the platform, but to be able to offer appointments instead of just a booth. Right. That's where I'm talking about the collaboration that has to occur between brands and the organizers is what are you actually looking for? Yeah. If I can offer you these appointments in this online venue, but then also this thing that's occurring in another type of venue, a physical venue, let, let's talk about how we package those up together and create something that is beneficial for everybody. And that's, you know, the creativity that you were talking about earlier that we all need to think outside the box. We yeah. need to be more creative to come up with solutions to achieve the same goals or to meet even, you know, even exceed those goals. Um, and that's an interesting, like just going back to the very beginning of our conversation where we were talking about like taking some time to breathe. And uh, a friend of mine, Jamie Freyer, who is um, an executive assistant, she's been posting about one of her clients who just wrote a new book, which I'm going to forget the name of now, but it was about just taking a moment to think. And I think this time in the events industry is just a lot of people are being forced to just take time because they they have no other choice. And there's this level of overwhelm that's leading yeah. people to feel like I need to prioritize my health and I need to think about mental health and I need to, all these things. Um, and it's it's good timing because this is there's never been a time where our industry needs to be as creative as it does right now. Right. Rethink what we've been doing so that we can be successful as the whole world changes. To your point about knowing the audience, the audience has changed completely. If you knew them yes. very well, <laughs> sorry, yeah. start all over again now, which is kind of crazy. It, 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 and you have to go at it, like, especially from a marketing perspective, you know, people are, are asking me like, well, what, what works or what's going to work? Be like, one, 
I have no idea. <laughs> Two, I'm ready to find out. Three, if we look at this data or if we try this thing, I think we can figure it out, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, Nobody I mean, it's not knows. totally, you know, like we have no clue what people want. We have some good indicators. We know our audience from the past and we can use that as kind of like gut checks to identify what might work. But, you know, to your point about trade shows, like we just don't know what people are going to feel comfortable yeah. with. And everyone's yeah. going to feel a different level of comfort doing, you know, whatever activity it is, personal or business. Um, right. Right. So that, that's a complicating factor, but it's very yeah. Thing. And you read all these articles about, you know, I don't think that, I, I think that the future is much more technologically based than, than a lot of people. And, and I have thought that way for a long time, but the future of work does not necessarily mean in an office. It could be in an office, could be an office for some people and other people. And you read a lot of these articles about, you know, um, employees will be, will get the short shrift if they're not in the office, be like, but if the managers are not in the office, it doesn't matter, right? Like wherever leadership is and what their mindset is, that's what the indicator is. And where we are as a society and with the, the generational shifts that are going on, that whole idea is being questioned. You know, I have a 17 year old son. He's questioning everything. Yeah. Everything. And even generations in between he and I are questioning those kinds of things. So it's not just like, what people are going to want to do, but what the people in power are saying is necessary or not necessary. There are a lot of industries where I think there's going to be people who are like, nope, we got to meet with the people in person. We got to kick the tires on that thing. And that's why this trade show will always work, which is awesome. And that needs to happen. And so those people who run those kind of shows need to know that they probably already know that. But there is also that question of, well, what if they could advance some of these objectives in a different kind of venue. Yeah. And then they're, they're kicking the tire, right? So maybe that flow of a buyer through a buyer journey for you, the brands that you support as an organizer, as an organizer have changed. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's one of the questions that needs to be on the table. I completely agree. Kiki Italian says, even if most interaction happens online, folks are still going to want to get together in person, but we can't be together in person all the time anyway. So why don't we figure <laughs> out you know, other ways to yeah. connect with each other all in between? Dahlia's here. She says, hi. I was just talking about you, Dahlia, in the beginning. So <laughs> I have not talked to a single person. And granted, most of my associates are women of, of a similar age. I've not talked to a single one who misses being gone from their home, from their bed, from their family, from their dinner table, from their activities, from their parents, from their pets. I haven't talked to a single one who misses being gone as much as they were gone. Yeah. And that's, it's so interesting. Like as much as I love to travel and I love it, you know, and I love mm -hmm. to be on site with people, I could stand to do it a lot less and supplement right. that with virtual. And then, and that's a big question for these people who are obsessed with going back to in-person only are, is your in-person event so good that instead of a hundred events a year, I'm going to choose 10 that I'm going to choose right. your event to go to in person. Uh, that's a lot of pressure. Just mm -hmm. that alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really, if you're going to ask, you know, if I had to look at my crystal ball is like the bad events are going away and the good events are getting better. 
right? But, but you could say that about any kind of trend that has happened in our, in our society. But I do, I don't think the future of work is necessarily an office. I don't think the future of education is necessarily in a school. And I certainly don't think the future of events is necessarily in a convention center or, or yeah, a hotel. It could be, that, that's, but that's one of the venues. And Not I that it will that, never be, exactly. Right, yeah. right. Well, I could just talk to you forever. I just looked at the well, clock. That would be and... fun, except that then <laughs> no one would get fed. Oh, that's right. We have to make. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today and chatting. I think we covered a wide range of topics, but it was, I think, as you said, you and I have been on the same page about you know technology and all these things for a very long time. Um, and it's, I was joking with my brother-in-law today, and I was saying like, it's nice that the whole world seems to be talking about like what we want to talk about yeah. now. Like we've yeah. been saying, and much more than they were last last April, right? Yeah. They're much well, even, more aware. Mm -hmm. Even a year ago now, you know, after six months of the pandemic, I think people were very much thinking, we're going back to in-person. Let's do this. Like, this yeah. is just now I think the Delta variant is really making people question that. Like, anyone who was a holdout as, like, virtual just a Band-Aid, I think this is really shaking that <laughs> group of people up. Yeah. So now everyone is thinking, like, what do we do? And again, in-person is not going anywhere. But how do we supplement that and change things and be more creative to meet the needs of our constituents, I think is super important. Yeah. You have to well, have a yes and mentality. Absolutely. Not either yeah. or. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all who are watching live and commenting. Love the stream of all the things that you're saying. And I'm trying to read them as we are chatting. Yeah. Thank um, you for joining us. Yeah, it was awesome <laughs> to see the comments. And thank you, Kiki and such good people here. Uh, so we'll post this in all the places on social media and stuff so that people can see it and on our podcast. Dana, take care, take Me care too. of yourself and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Bye, all right, everyone. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Event Hustler Show. Have a great day.